Super Talk Mississippi media production. So joining us now to talk about Mississippi State, Texas A&M from the 2014 season here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is our friend Ben Beckwith, former MSU offensive lineman. I wanted to talk to you for one reason about this game because this was a game you had to switch positions. So I want to go back to when you find out Dylan Day is suspended for this game. What was that conversation like with you, with Dan Mullen, maybe John Hevesy, where, hey, we need you to slide down to the center position? Yeah, so uh, it was, yeah, obviously after the LSU game, big win, uh, waiting on the road there. And uh, so we come in on Sunday uh, to watch film and go over all that stuff. And after we go through, uh, I think we're, you know, usually two hours of meetings on Sundays, and then we have a a little light practice afterwards and go over uh, the last week's game and then kind of switch to to A&M to that game plan and then we come back into the facility and have meetings and uh before our second hand our second part of meetings I had Mullen uh call me you know call me into his office and Hevesy was in there and uh they kind of went over that they were gonna go ahead and uh self you know I guess the best way to put it self suspend we were gonna put the suspend you know go ahead and suspend Dylan ourselves without having the SEC come in and do it their you know just put the sanctions on us or whatever you would call it um, and they said, well, you're, you know, you're going to have to play center. And I looked at him kind of just wide-eyed and, you know, like I'd seen a ghost. And he said, what do you, you know, why are you looking at me like that? And I said, well, you know, we, we've had a backup center, you know, all season. And I haven't been in, I haven't been in, you know, with that slot on the depth chart, you know. And uh, I had not snapped a ball since I was probably, you know, you know a 11th grade, you know, from high school, so five, six years ago. And definitely didn't do it uh, under shotgun, so – but that led to the, you know, your leader, you're going to do it. No, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, which I was good to go. So um, he told me to get up with Dak and, you know, just start going over repetition and snaps and shotgun snaps and things like that. So that's the first time I physically had someone tell me, hey, you're going to be the center this week. So One, one thing about that game was it came after a bye week. You know, you've gone, you've beaten LSU, big win, you get into the top 25, and, and you got a lot of momentum. We talked about this on a podcast I did last week. Did the bye week come at a good time? Did you need to maybe settle back down? Or was it, hey, we want to keep playing as quickly as possible? I know for me the bye week was good. Um, I know that that year, you know, after winning that game, yeah, we would have loved to just roll right into A&M. But I think that kind of gave us a little time to, as a team, kind of, you know, catch our breath and, you know, we – not to say we haven't been in those environments before. We had just beat a team in, in, a, in an environment that we haven't done, you know, previously and hadn't been known to do. So it was kind of nice for everybody to sit back, take a seat, take a little time off, all the starters especially during a bye week. You don't get as many reps. You kind of get yourself healthy, all this other stuff, and it kind of gives you time to refocus yourself, if you get what I'm saying, and, you know, look at it and say, hey, this wasn't a fluke. Let's keep it rolling. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's keep our composure and keep doing what we're doing. And for me personally, it gave me a whole week of practicing. You know, on a bye week, starters don't practice. The, the twos and the threes are really getting all the reps that week. We're still getting, you know, small portions of individual drills and things like that, keeping ourselves in shape and all that stuff. But I got to kind of get, you know, be to the side in any, any kind of minute I had where I wasn't doing anything, you know, crucial to the practice. Me and Dak were taking snaps or me and whoever were taking snaps. And, uh, it just gave me a lot, you know, gave me thousands and thousands of more snaps that week to get more comfortable with what I was doing because it's, you know, playing center in a no huddle offense, you are a quarterback in yourself, especially in a Mullen offense. You're calling out defenses, you're calling out IDs, you're calling out, you know, you, you know, you see safety, you got to read safety. There's a lot to it. 
and uh, it kind of gave me time to clear my head and not think about the snap and kind of and think about it as a, from a player standpoint, get all my guys where they need to be, my tackles, you know, sliding the right way, guards sliding the right way, people manned up on the backside, whatever it was, it gave me time to kind of get back in that role. Whereas I, I did a little bit of that at guard. I helped Dylan and vice versa. He helped me, but there's a lot more vocal uh, going on there when you're at center and having to get guys in the right spot. So it definitely helped me have that, that extra week to kind of get in that mindset of being the quarterback of the offensive line. So definitely helped. I think it helped me, and to answer your question, yes, it helped me and the team that week having a bye week to kind of get ourselves back down on, you know, to ground level, our feet back on the ground and kind of refocus. So, yeah, it's a good question. I've got to ask you, Ben, that – We've talked about you and what this was like for you getting ready, but coming into this game, obviously the one of the bigger stories was Dylan not playing. What kind of a mindset was Dylan in after the huge win at LSU to know that here comes this game and he's not going to get to play in it? Um, you know Dylan a lot better than I do, but he always seemed to be a guy that wouldn't too you know too afraid to speak his mind a little bit. What was the, these couple of weeks like for Dylan knowing he wasn't going to get well, to play this game? Well, me and Dylan were roommates uh, for, for three years, so I definitely knew Dylan really well. And like you said, he, he was an emotional player, and especially playing LSU, I think that kind of got the best of him. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to put it. It kind of he got into his emotions at LSU because obviously being a Louisiana kid, probably wanted to be you know, recruited by LSU, probably had you know, intentions of, of wanting to go there or aspirations of wanting to go there and you know to, to have them not recruit you or not show you any interest or whatever it was. I don't know his whole background with that, but um, I'm sure there was a little fire there, you know. Um, but I think that kind of fed into him playing a little more aggressive maybe that game than normal. He was an aggressive player anyways. I mean, you kind of got to be at, at the offensive line position, but you know, he got I think he got his emotions get a little bit too much of him in that game. And, he was definitely upset, you know, coming off that win because we, in our locker room, we knew what we had, you know, from two days uh, going into the season in August and all that stuff. We knew who we were. We knew what we were going to bring to the table. We knew it was going to be a special year, whereas maybe not everybody outside of our locker room knew that, you know. Um, so it, it kind of hurt his feelings, you know, got him upset about not being able to be a part of that, that momentum we, we started getting going with LSU and then into A&M and obviously into Auburn the following week. And uh, I, I definitely, I think it, it, it kind of put a little fire in him, though, at the same time to, you know, show that, you know, I'm not invincible. I can I can miss a game. I can get in trouble for these things if I don't act right, you know. So I think it kind of, it kind of readjusted his attitude. And uh, I think it, I think it paid off for him as bad as it was to miss a game. You know, I think that's the only game he missed his whole career. Um, so, um, definitely think it helped. If that's a, I don't know if that's the best way to put it. I don't think yeah. it ever helps him miss a game, but I think it definitely helped his demeanor and his attitude. Uh, kind of re- you know, hit the reset button and say, hey, let's, you know, let's not take this for granted. This could be taken away just as quick as, uh, you know, it was given to me. So, yeah, I think it definitely helped Dylan's uh, mindset for sure. When you think about an 11 a.m. kickoff most of the time, you're thinking about a game most people, you know, they're, they're just barely waking up in time to get to the stadium. Uh, the atmosphere is usually not that great, and then sometimes the team comes out a little bit hungover. That's not not to imply that anybody was out drinking or anything, but you, you know what I'm saying. They're just they're just not into the game on those 11 a.m. kickoffs a lot of times. This, for my money, was as good an atmosphere, as good a fan experience, and as good a, you know as far as the excitement goes of any 11 a.m. game I've ever I've ever seen from from a, a you know team perspective coming out on the field that day and seeing that crowd and, and feeling that that excitement. 
you know, what was what was the mindset of the team as they as they walked out of the locker room for the first time? Well, I kind of, I kind of, the best way for me to describe an 11 a.m. game is, is generally, uh, you know, you're playing like an Alcorn State, a Jackson State, a uh, South Alabama, you know, those type of schools. Nothing against those schools, but they're kind of, you know, they're they're there for a reason. They're there for them and for us, and you know, you get what I'm saying. But an 11 a.m. game, I'll give you. We wake up at 5:30, uh, so that's one of the bummers there. So you know, I mean, yeah, we get up at 5:30 during the week for workouts and all this other stuff, but that's just a workout to get you, and then you go to class, and it's not really the difference. You know, it's a big difference. You don't have to really get up and get as is physically stretched and is you know mentally locked in as you do for a workout as you do for a football game you know so that kind of leads up that leads you to those hangovers because you're up at five thirty you're going you know go to breakfast go to walkthroughs go back to your room for rest come back to walkthroughs again go eat your you eat early like a brunch almost and then go play a game you know so it's it's a quick turnaround on a Saturday but. For whatever reason, that Saturday was a little different. We didn't come out sluggish. We came out doing what we were supposed to do. The atmosphere was obviously uh, through the roof. I mean, everybody, I think after that LSU game, people started to see the things we were seeing in August, you know, July and August uh, in training camp. Um, I think everybody kind of knew we were, we were the real deal at that point. And I think that definitely the fans being there, the fans are the biggest thing for an early game. If they're there and they're into it, we, it kind of gets us going. And uh, they're – you know, it felt like a two thirty CBS game. I mean, to be honest with you, it, it had all those had all those uh, you know emotions that came with it, and uh, it definitely showed on the field. I think we played a really well, you know, really organized. We didn't have a lot of penalties. We played a really good game, and we had you know two new starters on the not two new starters, but two new guys on the front line that game, and that's a big difference. Uh, you know, you got a new guard and new center in there. That makes a huge difference playing a really good team, which you know they were, um, and. We came out, came out rolling, and it, it never really stopped. And the game really never was close, uh, to my memory, you know. And it might have been on the scoreboard for a little while, but it was never, never in question when we were playing those guys that we were going to win that game. And uh, definitely helped feed into that that big game with Auburn the following week. And, and I think it, you know, proved to everyone we were here to do what we were doing and here to stay. And uh, we weren't going anywhere. We weren't just a you know, a flash in a pan. We were here for the long run, and uh, we had the real, you know, real guys that do it. Uh, really, 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 really talented on both sides of the ball, and had a bunch of guys go to the league from that team. So it all, you know, it's it was a really good team, and uh, that Saturday was one I'll never forget. It's, and it's weird to say that about an 11 a.m. game because usually those 11 a.m. games you try to forget about because they're usually closer than they should be with a with a lesser opponent and uh, usually brutal in the, in the locker room and at halftime and brutal at uh, in meetings on Sunday. But that was not the case for that Texas A&M game. Well, you sort of hit on it there. The, you know, the game really wasn't that close. A&M goes up 7 nothing to start the game, but then from there it's you guys uh, score, I think, on your next four possessions. You make it Correct, 28-7. Yeah. A lot of that is, you know, set up by the fact that Richie Brown has three interceptions. Let's, I know you're, you're the <laughs> offensive guy, but Richie Brown with three interceptions, what were you guys saying to him on the sideline? Man, it was unreal. We were, uh, as as being fat guys on the O line, we were kind of upset with him at times. You know, we were thinking, you know, golly, dude, we're we're running this no huddle. We're out here, you know, hustling, bustling, getting down the field, running no huddle, scoring, blah blah blah. And then here we come. Here's another interception. You got to, you know, throw your helmet on, get your shot of water, get back out there. But no, in all seriousness, that was uh, man, unreal. That was. And there, I'd actually for, not forgotten about it, but you just you know piqued my interest with it there. I forgot about Richie having all those interceptions. I think he had a bunch that season, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. But 
Yeah, that was uh, that was unreal. That was crazy, and that was definitely a big, big, uh, you know, big contribution to the, what happened on that Saturday. You know, that the defense showed out, and Richie man had a had a game that he'll you know remember and be remembered for the rest of his life. So that's uh, definitely an awesome moment for him and that defense. You know, and and all those guys on that side of the ball. Man, when I think back to this game, I, I think, well, I guess a lot of that 14 season, you can't help but think about Dak Prescott. But right. uh, he had the huge game. I think it was 260-something yards passing, 70-something yards rushing. I think he counted for five TDs. Um, from a legacy standpoint, there's no doubt what Dak Prescott means to Mississippi State. But you, in this game in particular, you snapped the ball to him. You were a teammate of his. Just tell us what it's like to be a teammate of Dak Prescott. I mean, from the outside looking in, he's a guy that just seems like he makes everyone better. And having been on his team, is that an accurate statement? Just what's it like to, to be a teammate of Dak on the you know being on the inside of this? Well, first and foremost, Dak is is just a, is an awesome dude. I still talk to the guy to this day. We're still good friends. We were great friends in, in college. Um, and 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 his 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 presence outside of the the environment of the you know of the game, just in the locker room or just at his house playing video games or whatever it was when we were in college, man, he was just a genuine dude. He loved you, he took care of you, and he expected you to do the same for him. He expected, you know, what I give you, please try to give as much back to him as you can. He was just that type of guy. But playing with a guy like that, man, he just makes you want to try a little harder. He wants you, you know, when you're tired, he kind of looks you in the eye. It's just it's a it's a God given thing. I honestly believe it is the leadership. That some of these guys have, like Dak does, I think it's just something that's you know bred into you. You know, God gives it to you somewhere, and you, you know, somewhere in you, there's there's that leadership. You know, something comes out of you at times when other people don't have it come out of them. And he brings he brings everything to the table, and man, he is just uh, like you said. He he's going to bring everybody up a little bit. He's going to make everybody just a little bit better. If you're if you're an average guy and you get around Dak, you're going to be a little above average. If you're an A a guy, you're going to be an A plus guy. You know, you're just you're gonna you're just there's something about him. I can't put a word to it. But even in workouts, you know, he just makes you want to work a little harder. And I mean, our coaches had to, you know, hey Dak, you're a quarterback. Let's let's cut it back a little bit. And he was like, man, no, I can't. You know, I'm I'm a leader. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And uh, man, to play with that guy, be in the huddle with you know, we didn't huddle, but obviously to be in or around that guy and being in situations with that guy when things are tough, you know, against, you know, look at Arkansas that year as a tough game. I mean, he does things in that game that maybe people, he maybe not, he doesn't make a play per se, but he, he gets us in the in the right spot at the right time. And he, he tells you, you know, he comes to you at the bench, you know, this ain't our, it's not our cleanest game. Let's finish this. We've got too much going on, you know, to throw it away, blah, 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 things like that. But, Man, he's just an awesome guy. I would I would do anything for him if he called me right now and told me to come do something for him in Dallas. I would do it. I know there's probably hundreds of other guys that would do the same thing. But he's uh, I've said I've said it before. I think it's been quoted many times. I would, you know, I've said, I told people I said, man, if I could recreate, if I could make, you know, had a had a choice in making of a kid. If I have, if I'm blessed to have a, a boy, you know, I would love him to have the attributes of Dak Prescott. You know, I would love him to be a clone of him if I could make that. You know, that's how much he meant to me as a player and as a man and as a friend, you know, he just – and that's how much he means to Mississippi State. You know, I, I fully expect someday for him to have a, you know, a, a statue of him in front of Davis Wade Stadium. You know, it's, if you don't expect that, you just didn't know the guy, you know, and you didn't watch him play. But he was uh, he was phenomenal, and he'll obviously be etched in uh, Mississippi State history for while we're here and after we're long gone, he'll, he'll be remembered for sure. Great dude, 
great person. So it's 28-10 at the half of this game, and then starting the fourth quarter, it's 48-17. to I know you guys were confident you were going to win the football game, but were you surprised at just how badly you were able to, to manhandle this team? It's 48-17. They end up getting a couple of garbage touchdowns in the last couple of minutes to cut it down to 48-31. That's the final score. But it's 48-17. It should have been 55-17. Fred Ross drops a, a, a easy touchdown pass uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Did, what did y'all say to Fred when he when he came back to the sidelines? Oh man, that was, the uh, you just got to know Fred. He, he's a Fred's a guy that's definitely in his head a lot of times. And man, just uh, we were just when you're in that situation, obviously it's a little more funny because you know you're going to win the game. So uh, Fred was another guy that hung out with Dak, and when I hung out. With Fred a lot. We were close, and man, just kind of, kind of messing with him on the sidelines. Just you know, just having a little fun with it, which is pretty cool when you're playing a team of that caliber, beating them that bad, and you drop a touchdown pass, and you can kind of sit over there and laugh about it. And I think even Mullen kind of pulled him to the side and poked fun at it too. And uh, but yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it was kind of surreal there for a minute. But we knew going into that game, their front line really wasn't that strong. Uh, they had some, you know, they had some athletes, but they just weren't very organized. They didn't fit gaps well. They weren't a great defense, um, but we knew, you know, on the offensive side that they could obviously keep up with us if our defense didn't do what they did. But, you know, you get, you get three turnovers on pit, you know, picks and things of that nature, you're already flipping the script there on the defensive side. But, yeah, we would, would, would I be lying if I told you I thought we were going to go in there and beat them by, you know, as much as we did? No, you know, yes, I would be lying. I knew we were, a, you know, 14, 17 point you know, type of team, we could definitely beat them by that much if we played like we were supposed to. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely kind of surprising to see, you know, come out and put your, you know, your foot on their throat and see how quickly that they, they kind of just gave up. You know, it was, it was crazy. But, uh, but they were a really talented team. They just weren't very organized. They weren't, they didn't fit, you know, schemes well. They just didn't do a lot of things on defense well. We knew we could kind of take advantage of that with the running backs we had and the quarterback we had kind of putting people on islands. With having both of those guys being so you know uh, versatile with running and, and throwing the ball, uh, it kind of put a lot of pressure on linebackers and safeties. And we knew once we got them out of place that uh, we were going to run up and down the field on them. So surprising, but not really that surprising at the, at the end of the day. So you win. You you know you've beaten LSU. Now you've beaten Texas A&M. You know full well you're going to be in the top ten when the polls come out. You know Auburn's going to be in the top ten. That's who you're playing next week. What was Dan Mullen's message in the locker room after this game? Um, you know, it was the halftime was you know uh, really the halftime was a little more upbeat than the, the end of the game because like you said we blew him out so much. But at the end of the at the end of the day we got in the locker room and uh, it, you know he gave us his speech and he just said, look, you know I'm, I don't know it verbatim, but I, I kind of remember it, uh, you know kind of just scripting it together. But he said, guys, you know great win, blah blah blah. Uh, you beat a team that that was good. Don't get me wrong, but this team we're playing next week is great. They're a great team. You know let's let's. Let's kind of, we don't have a bye week to come off this high. Let's keep this momentum going, but, you know, let's keep our roots planted and know what we got to do. We have an end goal, you know, to do things bigger than just, you know, winning three SEC games in a row. You know, there's there's things we've talked about in July, June, July, August, all this time about we want to be an SEC championship caliber team. We want to go. We want to win our games and have a chance to be in, the, you know, be in Atlanta. And uh, this is just another stepping stone to do that. So, of course, we all enjoyed it, but he always says, you know, you get you get 24 hours. When 24 hours is up, we drop. You know, there's no more talking about Texas A&M. We go to Auburn, uh, so on, and so forth. So, Mullen was good about getting you locked in. Uh, he was great about you know patting you on the back when you did good, 
but when it was time to get, you know, if he did something bad, he got on to you. And if it was time to switch gears and go to something else, he was quick on not uh, gloating and sitting and, you know, bathing in his riches. He was he was quick on just getting everybody back going, getting them back in the right mindset on Sundays and getting locked in for the next week. So it was one of those deals where, uh, you know, great win, but let's roll. we got another one to do. we got another one, you know. So he knew how big that all – I think he knew – how big of a week we had coming up and how much that was going to affect our season if we won that game and, you know, momentum going forward. So I think he was quick to get us off our high horse and get us back to work. One last question here. The game ends at 2.34 p.m., which means four minutes prior to that, Ole Miss kicks off with Alabama up in Oxford. You know they go on to beat Alabama that day, and that's the day where – you know, maybe the greatest day in, in the overall state of Mississippi football history, the Sports Illustrated uh, cover and all that. Just from your perspective, you know, knowing Mississippi State and what you know of Ole Miss, do you think there can ever be a day like that again where both teams are on that national spotlight? Man, I think it would be one of those moments. Um, I think if you asked us that in 2014, we would have said, you know, sure, why not, why not? But, you know, looking back on it, it will be, you know, it'll be very hard to have everything line up like it did that year for both these Mississippi schools. And the talent both both of the schools had, the momentum we all had going, the SEC game day, you know, the college game day, flipping back and forth between the state, I think in, within a week of each other, if mm-hmm. I'm correct. Yeah. Um, so you had a lot of just – the state was just ringing, man. And, and for Mississippi, you know, to be be able to kind of sit there and poke their chest out as people, you know, whether you're an Ole Miss fan or a state fan or just a an unbiased college sports fan, you know, just to sit there and – See Mississippi and Mississippi State are just all over ESPN, SEC Network, local news, you know, all this stuff. It just kind of makes you feel good. And it had a, it's had a buzz. You know, it was kind of – I tell everybody that 2014 season to me, in a nutshell, if I can describe it in any way, it's when you watch these movies about these college athletes that live this glamorous lifestyle. Everybody loves them, blah, 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 blah. That's what 2014 was to me, you know. It was just ideal, picturesque. If you could make a movie, this is what it would be like, you know. And, it, and I think for the state of Mississippi, I would love to see it happen again, just to see it from the outside looking in. Because you know, when you're a player, of course you get to enjoy it, but you don't get to enjoy it, uh, the riches as much as the guys that are watching and not as invested as you are. You know what I mean? You got so much other stuff going on. You got your schoolwork for one, and then you have your weight room and your film and all this other stuff. So it's never really a lot of time to sit back and think about it. You know, it's obviously awesome to live in the moment, but I would love to see it again. But, man, if I, if I had to bet a betting man, uh, I would bet the uh, – the under on that, I don't, I don't see that, uh, I don't see that happening again. But I would love to see it happen again. But like you said, that all the stars aligned. It was just one of those rare moments, and uh, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I would love, I'd love to see it for sure. I'd love to see it. Ben, if we did make a movie about that, who would play you? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, you know, would have to beef up Ben Affleck a little bit. But I'd <laughs> I get a lot of people telling me Ben Affleck, you know, I kind of look like him since he's older than me. I'll say I look like him, you know. But yeah. uh, to get him beefed up a little bit, a little bit longer hair, and uh, we might have we might have another role for him. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Ben Beckwith, man, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. This is a lot of fun. We appreciate it. Man, I appreciate y'all having me. Hell State, guys. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.